Hey guys, welcome to the Drone Horizon podcast. I'm Alex and today I'm joined by Brandon Keone. Brandon, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey guys, I'm uh, Brandon Delacruz, uh, Instagram handles Keone Photos, and uh, I'm an aerial photographer. Cool. Well, thanks for being with us today, Brandon, obviously taking time out of your Saturday morning to, to chat with us. Um, as always, we've asked you to send over sort of three shots that are your favourite slash sort of mean something to you. I mean, we've got three fantastic pictures. We'll start off with the shot that's got the bridge on it. So what's the story behind it? So this one's actually um, one of my favourite shots. I think I saw a picture of this, uh, I don't know, a few years back when drones were just starting to get popular. And uh, this place is in Big Sur, which is Northern California. It's a huge kind of like coastline um, park that kind of leads up to like the Monterey Bay um, area near San Francisco. And um, so I actually road tripped up here with my family. Um, and we, we hit the spot kind of middle of the day. So as we we're going up um, to meet up with some friends, the lighting was like really blown out and just the sun was super harsh and I still decided to launch anyways. It's like the only pocket of air of airspace that you can actually launch right here. And so I just put the drone straight up in the sky and I did not like any of the shots that I got. I didn't like any of the photos or videos that I got. <clears throat> and so pretty bummed. Um, but as we're heading back South, um, you know, after the weekend was over, we stopped by again and the, the, there was just fog kind of everywhere. And as soon as we get to this bridge, there's just like this pocket of sunshine beaming straight down on the bridge. And it's, um, it's a really famous bridge. It's in the, the HBO show called uh, Big Little Lies. I don't know if you've seen that one, but uh, it's just one of those kind of iconic bridges. Had to shoot it. And I was really happy that I got a little bit of sunlight right there. And there's, there's some, uh, some fog bank right there too. Um, but yeah, I would say this one right here is kind of what... Um, put me on the map so to say yeah definitely i mean interesting you say this is big sur if anyone has recently updated their max they'll actually see this bridge as the default wallpaper um but obviously it's taken from the sea looking in yeah i just had to double check it because obviously now that you mention it is it's it's in that shot so if you're looking for a different perspective on it then obviously that's where you can find it but i mean it's a fantastic shot and you've really managed to get the perspective of things as well by having the the cars on there is this like a multiple stitch panorama or is this just sort of one shot it is so yeah most of my shots that i post on instagram i do like vertical panoramas that i stitch in lightroom so i think this one's probably around five or six shots okay yeah i mean so um when was it that you took this shot sorry this was back in October, last October. Okay. Right. I mean, obviously, having been sort of in partial quarantine, then I guess you suppose, suppose you have sort of less cars on the road, which makes for a better picture because you don't really want cars in it. Even though it's a bridge, you don't want cars in it. Yeah, I think it kind of adds a little bit of scale to the photo. So it ended up working out. But yeah, there's definitely not a whole lot of traffic over there right now. It's a little yeah. bit tougher to get to. It's not on like a main highway or anything. Um, but the entire road that, that leads up through Big Sur is just beautiful. It just hugs the coastline and, man, just views for days. It's awesome. Yeah. And what's really nice as well is even on the water where you've got the waves sort of breaking a little bit further out to sea. So you've still got sort of that, that white on the water rather than it just being sort of solid blue all the way. Um, is that spot quite popular for surfers? Um, you know what? You can't really get down to the beach right there. Um, some locals know how to get to the to the water, but it's really difficult to find the right trail that'll get you down there because it's all just like bluffs and cliffs. 
Um, so you won't see a whole lot of surfers there. If you go south a few miles, you might see some surf spots, but right in front of the bridge, not really any surfers. Yeah. I mean, that sort of brings us on to your um, second shot, which is of a surfer. So do you want to talk us through this shot and, and why you've chosen this shot to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So this shot, um, my dad's a huge surfer, been surfing since he was 13. Um, my family is actually Hawaiian. So he, uh, he was born and raised on Oahu and, um, you know, surfing's just huge for him. He's been asking me to come out and take some drone shots of him for, I don't know, since I started, which is pretty much back in, let's say like July or something. And so big swell came into town. This is actually in Huntington beach, California, which is known as like surf city uh, USA. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so it was really cool to go out and I, I mean, I have a lot of shots of different surfers, but none of them are really anyone that I know. Um, so it was cool to follow my dad, paddle out and, uh, just kind of track him as he's surfing. And this was the first wave of the day. I thought it was a pretty good one. It's a pretty cool little angle. It's not like directly over him and it's not directly in front of him. It's kind of just like, you know, you're seeing the wave crashing and he's coming up and hitting the lip. So, um, yeah, this one's really cool. I had fun editing this too, because the water in Huntington's not, it's not the clearest, uh, cause you got the port of Long Beach, um, like just North of it a little bit. So the water's kind of green and Brown. Uh, so the, uh, yeah, the editing technique here is I just wanted to kill all the blues and kind of make it look more of like a, a black lost at sea type of feel here. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of when you first sent it over, it almost looks a little bit black and white, which is obviously quite unusual for water. But I think that gives a sense of how dark and probably how far out to sea he was to to get water that's that that dark and moody. I mean, you've got a really nice um, contrast going on on at the sort of the bottom half of the picture where you've got the, the sort of marbled water effect on the right hand side and then clear on the left but then up the top obviously you've got the the wave starting to crash so you've sort of really caught that at a nice point and obviously with your dad in the shot as well it sort of makes it that little bit more personal yeah absolutely thanks man appreciate that yeah um and then sort of moving on to your third shot which you said was taken not that long ago so do you want to talk us through that one yeah so this one I actually took on christmas morning um at sunrise so i'm really a big fan of taking either you know the sunrise golden hour in blue hour or sunset and lately it's been more of the sunrise just because you know i have a, a 10 month old baby girl so i'm awake early anyways um but yeah so i woke up on christmas morning and um my family and i we we stay in the cabins in uh like the local mountains here every christmas and you know there's not a whole lot of snow obviously in southern california but we got really lucky so christmas eve it started to snow a little bit and, um, you know, that, that night overnight snowed probably a couple inches. So, um, yeah, I woke up early in the morning. There's no clouds in sight. Sun was shining nice and bright and, um, really gave a nice, uh, a nice, um, just lighting <clears throat> window into um, this top down right here. And it was about uh, like 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's the coldest I've ever flown in. <laughs> I mean, it's usually like 80 degrees Fahrenheit out on the West coast. So 20 degrees. I mean, my hands were freezing. My fingers were like frozen, can barely feel the controllers, but um, you know, I've seen some shots like these on Instagram and some of my friends have them too. And um, I noticed this windy road when we were driving in thought, Hey, this might look cool from that top down perspective. So flew over it. Luckily had some snow and uh, the trees got a little bit of snow too. So I think it turned out pretty cool. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's some dedication getting up on Christmas morning to go out and capture the sunrise. I mean, even if you were already up, that's, that's still dedication to, to the shot. But obviously, in your case, the, the conditions were perfect and you wanted to go out and make the most of that. Yeah, absolutely. It ended up working out really nicely. <laughs> yeah. How did you find flying your drone in temperatures that cold? Because a lot of the drones, sort of more consumer drones, are aimed more towards sort of general day-to-day temperatures. So how did you find that your drone coped in that sort of temperature range? Uh, you know what? I kept the batteries warm. One of my friends, uh, he runs a Skybangers account, and he gave me some advice on uh, just keeping the batteries warm and the drone warm, warm prior to heading outside. So I had like a, I have a Patagonia jacket and stays pretty well insulated. So I kept all my batteries nice and warm in there. And uh, truthfully, it seemed to fly just fine. Um, as soon as I launched, I hovered for about a minute or so just to make sure the, you know, the props could warm up and all the motors can warm up. And uh, yeah, I mean, it responded really well. Yeah, I mean, that's always a bit of a worry when you sort of send drones up. I mean, more recently over here, we've not had temperatures as cold as that recently but i have seen pictures of people online posting and their blades end up with a little sort of lining of frost around the edge of it and it almost you think you just that extra little bit of weight you don't want your drone to be dropping out the sky but obviously they're they wouldn't take off if if they couldn't handle that kind of temperature yeah definitely so talking about drones what kind of drone kit do you use when you go out do you want to run us through sort of what you take in your backpack with you when you go out to shoot yeah, totally. Um, so right now I'm flying the Mavic Air 2, and um, I bought the Fly More combo. Highly recommend it. You get pretty much everything you need. It comes with two extra batteries. You get ND filters. You get a carrying bag and um, some extra propellers, extra uh, joysticks, and all that good stuff. So I got that in the bag um, along with a DSLR as well. Okay. What DSLR is it that you take with you? Uh, well, it's a mirrorless. Um, I'm shooting the, uh, the Canon R6 right now, and I have uh, a few lenses. I have an 85, a 50, a 10 to 18, and I have the kit lens, a 24 to, to 105. Cool. Do you tend to use any ND filters when you fly, or do you just tend to sort of more take pictures um, rather than video? Um, you know what? When I, when I go out with the intent to shoot video, I do usually use like an ND16. Um, that's the lowest one that came in the fly more combo, but you know, I shoot, I shoot pretty close to sunset and sunrise. So the lighting isn't always like really harsh. So I don't find a real need to use them all the time, but if I'm shooting in the middle of the day, photos and videos, yeah, I'll throw the ND 16 on there. So do you tend to shoot more pictures or video then? You know, last year in 2020, I shot a lot more stills. And I think this year I've kind of, wanted to push myself to shoot a little bit more video so i have a couple new reels up on instagram um just kind of challenging myself and you know trying some new things too yeah and i think obviously with drones being so smart now with obviously all the features that are on there i think trying to find the creativity to make a video stand out from others can be quite difficult um, because obviously the, the standard cinematic shots, as, as lovely as they look, it's sometimes the, the sort of views you get with those kind of pic- those uh, videos can be maybe a little bit overused. But sort of how do you find that you make your pictures and videos stand out from other people? Yeah, totally. Um, that's a good question. So for photos, um, 
originally I tried to start shooting different perspectives that I haven't seen um, on Instagram or different social media, like Reddit, things like that. And so I try to give it my own little like twist in, in terms of, you know, perspective for like originality, things like that. Um, but I think something that's really helped me kind of stand out is my editing style. And, uh, you know, I've developed a few presets and they work out really well for me. And so basically now I can just kind of see, depending on like location and time of where I shoot, I know which preset that I built that I can throw on there. So I think editing is, is a huge piece of, you know, standing out from other shots that you see. Um, and it's funny because I don't want to call it competition, but you're seeing like different photos that are inspiring you. And each one that inspires me, I'm like, Ooh, this is a different color edit or this is a different color grade. And um, yeah, I think that's always just going to keep climbing and climbing. And you're just going to see these photos get better and better from all these different artists, which is pretty cool. So obviously the, the shots that you've sent over the last two, I would say are probably more similar in terms of the, the kind of color that mm-hmm. they portray. So when you take a shot, do you intend to, do you take shots with the intention of it meeting a specific style or is it a case if you just take shots whenever and then it's when you get back to the edit that you then sort of think, right, well, it's either going to be this kind of shot or that kind of shot. Yeah, totally. So it really depends on the shot. So a lot of times I'll go back to the edit and, you know, I'll see maybe this preset works a little bit better. I want to try these colors here because I'm getting like this type of lighting from one angle or, you know, if it's a top down shot, then I'm seeing, okay, I can really bring in these, these like blacks to make the water look really, really deep blue, or I can bring in more whites to make it, you know, look a lot cleaner and crisp and minimal. Um, So I think it's like, for me, a combination of both because I do try to like have a game plan when I go fly of different shots that I want to get and the different editing uh, techniques that I want to get to. But I think the fun part also is being able to look at an image on your computer and be like, Ooh, I want to try this. And then you try it ends up working out. Yeah. So sort of talking about thinking about shots ahead of time, do you tend to plan a lot of your shots or is it more a case of just if the conditions are right off? I mean, obviously with the, the shot that you took on Christmas day, we've sort of discussed that that was a spare of the moment thing. Do you tend to sort of plan shots ahead of time? You know what? I try to, to plan my shots. Um, I think going out with a game plan just kind of helps me as a person. That's just kind of my personality. I'm pretty like OCD. I like to be, you know, I like everything <laughs> to be lined up. Um, just because when I'm flying, I don't want to really have to think about, you know, any other different factor that could be taking place. So I like to check the airspace. I like to, um, you know, make sure it's not a heavily populated area. Obviously I want to make sure safety is important for people around or people that are out. Um, and then of course, you know, I'm flying to get a specific shot and a lot of times I'll get that specific shot and I'll see something else and I'll be like, Oh, I want to see how this looks. So I think a game plan is good, but also being able to be creative on the fly is, is helpful too. So obviously you're based out in the States. So what are the kind of flying regulations out there at the minute? Because obviously I know Canada's recently got a lot more strict with it. The UK's recently changed their regulations. So what's it like for you sort of flying out in America? Uh, You know what? I'm lucky uh, to live where I live because there's a lot of free airspace. So it's a lot of like just class G airspace. Um, Although one of my favorite places to fly is Newport Beach and there's a uh, an airport like right there on the coastline so it's a little bit tougher but there are pockets that have uh, the unrestricted airspace 
Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I just try to fly under 400 feet. That's like the main, you know, the main rule regulation there. And uh, I don't fly over any people or try not to. I'm usually flying out over sea and, uh, you know, over surfers, probably the only people I'll fly over. But um, yeah, and then just being able to keep your head on a swivel, making sure, you know, there's no air traffic helicopters. We do have a lot of helicopters that kind of just cruise down the coast. Um, so yeah, I mean, it helps to, to drone with a friend and this morning I actually went and shot with one of my buddies. So, um, it's cool to have like an extra set of eyes just to, to watch the sky too. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose that sort of helps your creativity as well, being with someone else that you can go out with. Um, over the course of doing the podcast, a lot of the people that I've spoken to, they tend to go out in groups because they find that having sort of fellow photographers and drone pilots with them, you sort of bounce the creativity off of each other. Do you sort of tend to fly with other people on the whole or is it more just a solo thing? Yeah. So for me, um, it kind of varies. I try not to fly with more than one other person just because it can be distracting also. And, you know, you're, you're manning an aircraft that's, you know, in the sky and it's, it's sharing airspace with manned aircraft. So I think for me personally, I need to kind of hone in and focus in on what I'm there to do because I don't want to spend any time in the, in the air that I don't need to. Um, but I am a part of a few groups on Instagram and I have, plenty of different drone photographer friends where we're able to bounce ideas and exchange ideas. And, um, you know, if we ever did meet up, then yeah, it'd be pretty fun. But I usually try to keep the groups pretty small. Yeah. And obviously with, with drones as well, you have to try and keep it to people that are interested in it because I find that if you start inviting people along and the fascination then with the drone then sort of becomes, and it's for them, it's more about, Oh, can I fly the drone? Can I have a play with the drone rather than you being there for sort of the right purpose, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't usually let people fly my drone and it's not because I don't trust them. I just know that, you know, well, okay, I guess it is that I don't trust them. (laughs) A lot of training does go into it. Um, You know, a lot of practice. I spent a lot of, a lot of you know time trying to perfect flying and my controls are set up to how I like them set up but I don't have like the inverted controls that come default I have mine set up like video games so um yeah I mean if if somebody has never flown a drone before uh you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to to test it out for the first time on mine <laughs> yeah and I suppose obviously the reason drone regulations are becoming so tight around i mean especially here in the uk the regulations are tightening up that little bit more is probably because there has been more incidents with people who are maybe a little bit careless or with people that don't really understand the rules um so i guess most of it is just sort of common sense really isn't it you just you've got to be wise to what's around you and the only reason that you'll ever crash or cause damage is if you're careless yeah, hundred percent agree with that. I mean, I keep seeing all these stories. Like, I just saw one yesterday of a guy who flew after midnight and he crashed his drone into a police helicopter in LA. And it's like, you know, it's like, come on! Like, common sense is probably the easiest thing that you can give anybody in, in terms of drone advice. Common sense, safety. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't fly in the dark. Like, that's a given. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a shame because it does ruin the rest of that the the experience for all the other drone pilots who actually do abide by the laws and they do abide by um you know safety regulations and things like that they do all the right things 
And I mean, all it takes is one person to mess that up for everybody. Yeah. And especially over here, I mean, I've got sort of family and friends who, when I've mentioned that I have a drone, it's, it's a case of, oh, I don't like drones because, you know, they're annoying. And I suppose obviously the big thing is the noise. They are quite noisy, especially if you're flying somewhere that's that's quiet and for other people that just maybe want the quiet to, to relax in it can sort of be a nuisance but a lot of when sort of drones first came to be around a lot of people were thinking that you know the first question I asked is oh, are you going to use it to spy on me it's like well my intention is to take amazing pictures with it and and to to use it to get that unique perspective that you can't with a normal camera but I suppose the only reason that those kind of assumptions are made is because someone's done it and it's been reported somewhere so you know as, as we've mentioned it's all about common sense and just being sort of sensitive to where you are and, and what the situation is yeah i totally agree with that so i think you know you're always going to hear about the negative things i think that kind of goes that goes to say for anything in life really but in terms of drones since they're so new you're always going to hear the negative things that people are doing or <laughs> you know, the people getting in trouble, those stories, you're going to hear the horror stories, right? You're never really going to hear, oh yeah, this guy got a really cool shot of this. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard people be like, <laughs> you know, cool stories in a, in a, as opposed to, hey, this guy crashed into a police helicopter. <laughs> yeah. A little I bit mean, more uh, exciting of a story, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so obviously you've been, you mentioned that you've sort of been flying since about June, July last year. Do you want to talk us how you sort of first got into photography and where that inspiration came from? Yeah. So for me, um, I studied film and I did um, digital communications and media in college and high school. So um, I kind of always had like a media background, did a lot of like video production type stuff. And as soon as I graduated, um, I just wasn't, I guess I kind of hit a little bit of a burnout period so I was like you know what? I'm gonna try I'm gonna try doing some stills and my sister actually is a really good photographer and you know, I, I actually got my inspiration from her because I was like oh that's like really cool what she's able to create I want to try that too maybe I'll be good at it and so I will admit I did steal her thunder on that um, but yeah so I started getting into photography um, I had some friends who started their own clothing line and they asked me to do some some product shoots for them, some lifestyle shoots for them. So I went out and I bought um, just an entry-level Canon, the Rebel T6. And it's actually a really good camera. I'd say entry-level because I don't really believe in like an entry-level camera. It's a DSLR. It still takes amazing quality photos. Um, so I had that for uh, a couple of years and, um, you know, started to just get into real estate very slowly um, through a friend who's a general contractor. And they asked me to do some interior photos. So I did um, for uh, this huge development in Dana Point. And it was a pretty big gig. So for it to be my first one, I was, you know, I was a little nervous, but I enjoyed it a lot, actually, because um, you're not really working with anybody. You're given your own autonomy. And for me, I like to, I like to take photos and just kind of like see lines and shapes and uh, things like that. So real estate is like perfect. And um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, learned a lot. And from that, I got other gigs and it just kind of like started building and building and building. And, you know, it dawned on me like, okay, if I'm going to do real estate, then I should get a drone because the aerial photos for uh, the real estate uh, industry are just like, they're top notch and 
they're everywhere now. So offers a different perspective. You're able to kind of get a feel for the neighborhood or community where the house is in. And yeah, so I invested in the, uh, the Mavic Air 1 and had that for about a year and um, didn't really like it. I'll be 100% honest, <laughs> but it got the job done for the real estate uh, gigs that I was doing. And um, yeah, I think from real estate branched out to doing family sessions and uh, senior portraits and just kind of opened a lot more doors, which is pretty cool. What is it you didn't like about the Mavic Air 2? Uh, so the, the original Mavic Air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for the one, I just, for me, it, it gave me so many problems. I would have I would have hovering issues where it would just kind of seem to, it just looked faulty and I would check the blades and they're fine. Um, I would have to calibrate before every single flight and the calibration would take me around like uh, anywhere from five to 10 minutes. And, um, in real estate, if you're trying to like get a drone up in the sky, you know, as quickly as possible, get your shots come down. Um, then obviously if you're having to wait, you know, 10 minutes before you can launch, um, it caused a little bit of of problems for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it as much as I love the Navigator too. So I suppose that was probably quite a nice upgrade for you from the from the Air 1 to the Air 2. I mean, it's just massive improvements all around. I mean, probably most noticeably for you is probably the battery life. Absolutely. The battery life was a game changer. The 48 megapixels was a game changer. Um, you know, the 4K, the 4K30 is really nice. The slow-mo is really nice on it also. And then, yeah, I got all the, the ND filters too. So, um, yeah, it's been a game changer for me. I love it. Yeah. So with your sort of real estate work, is that something that you're trying to take on more full time or is it something that you sort of do on the side with maybe a full time job? Yeah. So I'm doing that kind of on the side at the moment. I'd love to go full time into it, um, but it is pretty competitive and a lot of real estate uh, companies, they work with different firms that are able to, you know, have their contracted guys come in and do all the, the, the photos and the, the videos and things like that. So right now it's a little bit tougher for freelancers to get into real estate, but um, I have some friends that are agents that are, being, are able to give me work and kind of, you know, network my name uh, for me, which, which helps. Yeah. So I guess the end plan for you is to sort of do that kind of thing full time, or is, are you sort of more wanting to go into like adventure photography and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I love all sorts of photography. F- photography, I'd love to be a travel photographer. Um, <clears throat> but I think realistically, like with where I'm at, in terms of like life and things like that, with, uh, my family, real estate is probably going to be the most lucrative and uh, the most, um, I guess, practical in terms of, you know, what I'm looking for as a new dad. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would be sweet to do it full time. I mean, I would love to travel and take pictures. I would love to do it all. <laughs> Yeah. And I suppose with sort of real estate and that kind of thing, it's it's, sta- it's a stable, you know, there's always going to be houses being built. So that kind of photography is always going to be needed. And as sort of the digital, you know, as, as more and more things are going online, those pictures become more and more crucial. I mean, even now, you know, with over here, especially with people not able to look around houses, people look to pictures if they're looking to buy or to rent or something like that. So I guess it's, you know, it's, it's an important one for, for everybody. Yeah, yeah, definitely is. 
So sort of finishing up then, is there any tips that you can offer for people sort of starting out? I mean, obviously you've mentioned that you came from originally sort of a more photography background than like a drone background essentially. So from sort of now being able to offer, well, having experience in both sides of that, is there anything that you can offer to anybody that's just starting out? Yeah, so if anyone's just starting out, whether it be drone or, you know, camera, um, the, the thing that I like to do is just, I like to stay curious. Um, I think it's easy to kind of get into a creative slump. I mean, it happens to me pretty, pretty often. Um, it's normal. And for me, I just try to stay curious. So I try to, you know, ask certain questions, you know, I, I try not to be shy. So if there's somebody on Instagram who I see, they have like a really cool edit or a really cool photo in a location, you know, I'm not hesitant to reach out and be like, Hey, this is a rad shot. Like, tell me how you did it. Um, so I think asking questions is, is crucial in development. Um, you know, and obviously just like pushing yourself and having fun with it. That's the main thing. That's the main reason why we all do it. Right. Because we enjoy it. So yeah, I would say asking questions, enjoy it. And, um, yeah, just always pushing to improve. Yeah, definitely. And I think obviously, as you've said, it's, it's all about having fun. You've got to do what makes you happy. And, you know, if, if I was chatting with a, a guy a couple of episodes ago and we were saying that, you know, if you really enjoy trying to replicate shots that other people have done, then go for it because there's as much creativity and you learn as much by recreating shots as you do from doing your own shots and, and being original and, you know, every time that you take a shot it's it's a new a unique take on on that shot because everybody sees things differently the edit will be maybe slightly different you know you're not exactly especially with drone stuff you're not going to get in exactly the same position so every shot's going to sort of vary slightly and will have your own creativity in it yeah i agree with that 100 percent. i mean there's so many different perspectives too that you can get in the air so i mean for me like i gather inspiration from a bunch of different shots and um I have like a picture in mind of what I want to get. But once I'm in the air, it's like, Oh, I want to try this. Oh, I want to try this. So, I mean, it, it's very easy to put your creative spin on it. That's for sure. Yeah. And obviously with drones being able to sort of move it around whilst in the air, you know, as you said, you, you might go with the intention of taking one specific picture. And then after that, you know, you might up in the air and turn the drone slightly and think, wow, this is a really good composition. I'll take this one instead. Or, you know, a lot of the, people that we've spoken to over the course of doing the podcast, a lot of the shots that people have taken have been ones that they've just taken as a spur of the moment rather than sort of the one that they were intending to take. And that ends up being the one that they prefer because, you know, the conditions were right or the composition was just perfect. So it's all about just sort of playing around because I guess that's where you learn more is, is from sort of playing around and that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I think some of my favourite shots have been like, oh, wow, you know, like little... <laughs> little nuggets right there where you know a bird flies into the frame at the right time or a surfer surfer is getting out of the water at the right time and it's casting like this really nice silhouette i think it's cool and that's like one of the things i like about photography just being able to like capture those different moments yeah definitely well thank you for being with us your morning my evening um so it's very much appreciated and i'm glad we've managed to get a, a time to chat it's been really good and obviously we've talked about a, a good variety of things so um, do you want to just remind everybody how they can find you and any sort of information about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on uh, Instagram. My handle is at Keone Photos. Um, it's actually my middle name is Keone. So that's where that comes from. It's Hawaiian. And um, yeah, I also have a print shop up. 
Um, you can find my link to that in my bio on my Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, go ahead and check that out and yeah, follow me. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much, as I say. Um, and I hope everything works out for the future and, and good luck with your 10-month-old. Yeah, I appreciate it, Alex. Thanks, man. Cool. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye.